Welcome to the show and welcome to episode 167. Guys, we are here again. Uh, I'm just gonna have a, it's a nice, peaceful day outside, and we're just gonna have a nice conversation. Uh, as I was telling her off air, I was I got a new microphone, and it's starting to pick up a lot of sounds, which is really freaky right now because I didn't know it was gonna be this strong, but so be it. Um, but our next guest, I found her through a, a friend and a former guest, Crystal, who um, had a, a guest uh, goddess who was on I don't know couple weeks ago maybe a month or two ago even uh that was her recommendation and um I try to support her and all her 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 groups and all the things that she different her little endeavors that she does so um and she gave me a list of some people I should have on and uh our next guest is one of them and uh so we're gonna try to get her to talk because she can be quiet but um you want us to tell us your name and a little about yourself yeah so my name is Kalia Woodard and I uh, am from Texas, and I am a licensed physical therapist, and I just kind of try to do as much as I can within the blind community. Um, I'm legally blind, so I try to play my role in that and kind of give back to my community as much as possible. So, For sure. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah I don't remember if I told you I'm also legally blind, so... Um... So something we definitely have in common. Um, do you do you know what condition you've have you gotten it from? Uh, yeah. So when I was seven, I had a brain tumor, and so it's just classified as um, optic nerve atrophy. So um, the brain tumor kind of wrapped itself around my optic nerve and slowed down the blood flow to my eyes. So, yep, that's isn't it like that's pretty much that. <laughs> No, I hear you. Yeah, but isn't it kind of freaky, like how the body is just so, no pun intended in your case, twisted? Like it's right, exactly. It's like one, you know. yeah, one thing is off, and all of a sudden something else happens. Like you wouldn't imagine because people. I, I guess a lot of people don't understand how connected everything is. Uh, right, exactly. You know, even just like your brains and your eyes. Like you just imagine, okay, a tumor, cool. All right, a lot of people get tumors. Yeah, exactly. You don't imagine losing your and, sight over. It. Right, and the crazy part is, is like it started with just a headache, you know, and I, you know, went from a headache to no vision. So, you know, you would you wouldn't think that a headache or a migraine would, would be the cause or you know the outcome of a tumor. Yeah, I mean that's got to be very surreal. I'm sure you remember that, like the the horrible yeah. headache that you had, and then all of a sudden, I don't know, like how, how do you know? Do you kind of remember how it all played out? Yeah, so um, it was like I was six years old when I started getting the headaches and migraines. And, you know, I saw my doctor and he was like, oh, it's growing things. You know, you're a kid, you're growing. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then um, slowly, like over time, I just started losing vision. It went from, you know, not being able to read my handwriting or to see what was up on the whiteboard or, you know, like just seeing things in front of me. Um, you know, there's a chain link fence that surrounded the playground whenever I was in school. And I used to be able to run and, you know, see it and avoid it and, you know, go into the little opening that we had to get to the playground. And then just slowly, day by day, it was like 
I could see it. And then every day it was just a different decrease in my vision. Like I could see it to not being able to see it at all, to having to follow people, to figure out where I was going. So, yeah, I just, it was just a steady decline in vision. So. Sure. Now, you said you knew about, like, this was happening to you when you were a child, but when did you actually get a diagnosis? Like, what was wrong with you? Um, so I got a diagnosis at the end of my third grade, or sorry, second grade year. I was seven. Um, it was like in May 2007, I believe. Yeah, May 2007. And um, I went back to the same doctor that told me it was growing pains. And my mom was like, no, it's something more. You know, we need to see an ophthalmologist now. And we did. And he looked in my eyes and he was like, yeah, something's going on. You know, she needs to be rushed to have emergency surgery because it's not looking good. So, Were you yeah. able to, like, you know, because you were so young, were you able to comprehend, like, what was happening to you? Because, like, I was, mine started when I was four, and it was from yeah. a high allergic reaction to medication. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, all my skin burned off, and a lot of things happened to me, and just, I was, like, melting. But even though yeah. I was going through this and I was in immense pain, when I was able to be like numb from the medication and things, I was able to just kind of enjoy my childhood and still just be me. Uh, it didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't really fully understand like my situation until I kind of became a teenager where, you know, you're trying to date and, and, you know, kids make fun of you and you get bullied. And so like, when were you able to kind of pick up on like what was really happening to you? Um, I don't think I was really able to fully understand everything. Yeah. Like you said, until as a teenager and even then it was like a lot of research and questions that I had for doctors and my mom and you know trying to figure things out because it's like why did this happen I don't understand you know like when they told my mom you know what was going on I'm only seven I'm like okay yeah I'm going back to school no problem cool we're gonna fix this later right. and then you know just to be put in the back of an ambulance it's like no we're this is now this is happening now so I didn't fully understand until I was a teenager, like what was actually like the cause of my vision loss. I just knew when I got out of the hospital, like, okay, this is my life now. I can't see as well as I used to and things are going to change. So, Yeah, no, for sure. Because I know, yeah, I mean, because a lot of people said like, oh, you were just such a brave kid. And I'm like, it, mm-hmm. it's not that I wasn't. It's just I also didn't know better either. Like, I was afraid. Right. I was really worried for what was happening to me because I was in so much pain. But when I wasn't in pain or when I was able to kind of numb myself from it with my toys and music and just, you know, like, zenfully just, you know, zone out, I didn't really mm-hmm. think about any of that stuff. And then until, like, the world kind of let me know that I was different. Uh, right. And that's kind of – and that's, like – something me and my friend were talking about the other day and I've discussed I here with multiple people with many different disabilities. Um, a lot of times a disability isn't the hardest part. Like we tend to think it is mm-hmm. because, you know, oh, you know, it sucks. You're losing a part of you. And it's like, yes, that is horrible. But yeah. after a while you kind of go, okay, this is what it is. Like, even though, like, I'm sure, I don't, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but like mine fluctuates from day to day. Like I never know if it's going to be a good day, bad day. And that's that's really rough, and it's it's not fun. But you know, the overall like it's fine. It's just how harsh the world can be, um, and how hard things are when you have a disability, and it's just how life 
impacts you negatively that makes the disability so much harder. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, I would say as someone who's eight years old, you know, after my surgery and everything, getting back into school, I would say, like, things weren't that hard. Being in class wasn't hard. I think it was the people isolating me and not wanting to talk to me and the people you know that were my friends just the previous school year you know are looking at me like I'm different you know they don't know who I am anymore because I'm walking around with a cane and I have someone following me from class to class so it was just like you know you're treating me different from how you treated me a year before you know or a couple months before and it's like the 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 comprehension for me wasn't there like why are they treating me different I'm the same person but it was just you know the the thought of them not knowing what happened to me and not understanding that you know people are different and just you know and just that was the hardest part for me was accepting the fact that people were going to treat me different yeah it really kind of you know I mean no pun intended but it really opens your eyes to how cold the world can be and just you know, how one little label can change everything. And exactly because you were, you know, you were still aware enough to, you know, you remember when you didn't have this problem or people weren't aware of your problem, how people treated mm-hmm. you. And then all of a sudden now this new thing has been added to your, you know, your you know life resume. It's like, Oh, look, yeah. you're this now. And now I'm not, I can't be your friend like I wanted to, or now I, have different questions for you or you know like mm-hmm. uh, you know, you're young you don't really understand you know it's wrong but you don't really have the vocabulary and you're not articulate enough to just say okay this is stupid but you know deep down it's it sucks because you know what has changed minus yeah. the cane right exactly um yeah and again like it's it's one of those things that a lot of people I don't like discuss enough is when you kind of have to mourn a, a certain part of you because you go through, mm-hmm. once you're aware of all of it, you you kind of have to go through this like numb phase where you're just like, it's just there and like you just, you don't feel anything. And it's like, yeah, whatever. And then at some point you're able to cry and you're able to just sit in darkness and, and, and just feel awful about it. And once you're able to yeah. come out of it, you know, for the ones who do, obviously there's some unlucky ones, but for the ones who do, it's, it's you know, there is a lot of beautiful things that can come from it, but it, it does take mm-hmm. a while. And I, I mean, I don't know for you, but, like, it, it gets old very fast being visually impaired, I will say. Right. I'm not, right. not going to say, like, that's, that's why I never try to come on here and, like, glorify, like, oh, my God, because some people try to pretend very hard that there's no shame and mm-hmm. we're not insecure and all these things. I have that. Mm-hmm. I 100% do. Am I more secure in myself? And do I still love my disability to some degree? Yeah. Like, am I proud of everything I've gotten through? Sure. But I also like, do I want to do this every day? No. There's days where I get up right. and I'm just like, come on, please. Not today. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, so what, what do you do? I mean, so I guess I should ask first, does your, your vision, does it fluctuate from day to day? Um, it isn't, I wouldn't necessarily say it fluctuates. My vision has been stable since I lost it. Okay. Um, but I do have better days than other, just depending on lighting. Um, if it's really bright outside, that's like a bad day for me. If it's raining outside, that's a bad day for me. So, um, and then if it's dark outside, that's horrible <laughs> for me. So right. it just, it kind of depends on the day really. Um, so, and that kind of just, 
determines on, you know, am I going to run into things today or am I going to trip over things today? Like that kind of will determine that. But Sure. Yeah. Trying to explain. So I think our vision is somewhere similar. Uh, the rain doesn't bother me, but like it is very hard to explain to people like lighting because it's like, oh, so you just don't like being in the dark. And it's like, no, I don't like being in the dark or the sun. It's like, well, what do you want to be in? It's like, well, there's even certain lightings that's dim, but like, like, okay, let's say like a club. Like I'm not a club mm-hmm. person anyway, but like a club is awful for me because it's dark, but it has like right. the strobe bright lights. The strobe lights. Yeah, and it right. just throws me <laughs> off like crazy. And I know I've, I've only been in a club once or twice in my life, but the time I went, I hated mm-hmm. it so bad because I'm like, this is not yeah. the place for me. Um, yeah. And yeah, it, it's it's kind of comical to, to explain it to anyone because it's like, well, you, you don't like the dark, you don't like the light, so what do you like? And it's like, well, I'd have to kind of show you because most places right. don't have it. <laughs> exactly. And that's why I bought, like, I have my own custom, like, lights I control with my phone. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can change them to any colors. So like a lot of times in the morning when I tell my, you know, I tell Siri to turn my phone or turn my lights on, there'll be like a dark red. Um, Mm -hmm. just because in the morning, like I don't want a bright white light in my face. I would like something dark, um, but something I can at least see in, but at least it's, you know, like I said, it has a darker color. That's mm-hmm. more, it's easier for my eyes to kind of um, accept it and, and slowly kind of come into place and, and be good enough for me to get through the day. Right, exactly. But yeah, it, it, it's, like I said, when I say it's not fun, there's there's, there's fun, I mean, look, it, it is days that humbles you, like every day, because I don't know, but I don't know mm-hmm. about you, and I've, I have days where sometimes I forget I'm visually impaired, not because like <laughs> I'm having an amazing eye day, but like, okay, right. I'm having a good eye day for me. But still, like, yeah. I'm just kind of like, this is cool. And I'm just accepting that everything is blurry. <laughs> like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, yeah, the tree over there is blurry. So it's blurry for everyone else, too, right? And then just, just something just goes through my head and just kind of like like someone threw, like, a coconut at me. Like, hey, dumbass, like, you know that tree is not supposed to be blurry, right? It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't know about you, but it, it's definitely very humbling at the same time. Yeah. Um. So, so you've pretty much, so you've had this, you pretty much your whole life then? Yes. Yeah, pretty much my whole life, so. Yeah. I mean, um, what do you kind of, for, for like the bad days, like mentally, like what do you, what do you do to like prepare yourself for it? Because I mean, even for me, as long as I've been doing this, as much as I feel like I'm like, I'm a veteran at this, sometimes it Mm -hmm. still kind of throws me for a loop and like knocks me on my ass. Right. Um, I don't, I would say, like, for me, the one thing that I still, of course, everybody who's blind or visually impaired struggles with is the fact of not being able to get up and go as you please. And I feel like that's just the most frustrating part. But, I mean, I've kind of just learned to accept everything. Um, So when I do have my bad days, I just take time to myself and just, you know, just kind of, I don't know, I just just chill like I just relax just try to listen to music music calms me down like music is my go-to for everything um or like I'll call someone and I'll vent about it um usually like my mom because you know they've been through this whole walk this whole journey with me so I can call my mom or my grandma and I'll just like talk to them and just let them know like I'm really upset right now and this is why you know they'll listen and you know they just let me get everything out and they just remind me like hey you know 
it's going to be okay. You've been doing this this far, and, you know, it's just one obstacle that you got to move past. That's it. So I would say I have a really strong support team, so. That's very important. Um, yeah. Do you ever, because I, I do this, and I know a bunch of us that do it, for those of us who our eyes fluctuate, do you ever have those days when, let's say, you're having back-to-back bad days, do you feel like, oh, this is like it, like my eyes are getting worse, and this is how it's going to stay? Even if it's like a short, you know, spurt of a thought, like, is that, do you ever go through that headspace? No. Um, I think just for me, because like I said, I'm, this is, I think about 15, going on 15 years for me, and I haven't had a fluctuation in my vision. Okay. Um so I feel like I'm kind of on the luckier side of that. So I don't, I really don't go through that. But there are times where I do remember like, hey, I remember I used to be able to see this or that. And now it's like, dang, it just looks different to me. Um, like, for example, when I see trees, trees look black to me. They don't even look green um, and brown or red or yeah, Like they don't have any type of color to me. Um and so there are times where I will like sit and reminisce and be like, you know, I, I remember when I used to be able to see things like that. Um, and that part, that, that does kind of bring me down sometimes, but I will say like, I try not to let it bother me just because I am grateful for the remaining vision that I do have, you know, because had, had we not, you know, found the tumor when we did, I mean, I could be, totally blind you know i could have no vision so yeah yeah for sure i just have to kind of remind myself of that like you know hey just be grateful for what you do have yeah and we i mean it helps you once you're able to like kind of tame it and and understand like the beast of this whole thing you're able to Mm -hmm. understand it more because i mean i'm sure you've interacted with plenty of blind people um and you know, you realize what they go through is, is rough and, and, you know, you're, you see what they can do and you're like, wow, like I can't even comprehend. Cause there's times, even like last night I was just going through my, I was just, it was just I don't know, it was like two in the morning. I was hungry. I didn't even want to get mm-hmm. up cause I'm just in, in a fog, but I'm like, I need to eat something. I'm like, I'm going to go make a bagel. And so I, I started to yeah. make my bagel and I was going to turn the lights on, which would have just killed my eyes. And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to try to do this in the dark. I'm like, plenty of other people do it. Why can't I do it? Like it's, it's not, I mean, it's not easy cause you haven't done it, but I can do it. I know I can. And I just have to remember like mm-hmm. there's plenty of people like I should, I'm lucky enough to, for many of you, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, a place that has power. I mean, I'm lucky enough to have a place. Right. I'm lucky enough to be able to see whatever, but yeah, I mean, and, and it is key to take those bad days that we were referring to. It, it's key to take them and do something with it. Even if it's nothing like super productive, but like thought thought process wise where you're just constantly like rewiring and just working on yourself and thinking about like when this does subside what I can do with mm-hmm. my time because I think a lot of times people don't we're so like lost in the you know when are we going to get back to normal and then when we get back to normal like the things that we promised ourselves we were going to do we don't do it and it's like even if it's like doing right. your dishes or whatever making a call or doing something trying to find a new job whatever it is we, we kind of, we just talk ourselves into just kind of hanging on by a thread down there in the, in the depths of the darkness. But then when we come yeah. out of it, we we're just like, Oh, thank God we're done. And then everything that we should be doing that we promised ourselves, we don't do it after all. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. it, and that's why I talk about mental health so much because it is so attached to having a disability. 
I always say it's like a yeah, definitely. It's just a, it's a part of the the package. You know, I always talk about like right. when you get a car, like if you want, you know, automatic doors and and GPS, you have to get this part because it's in the part of the package. Well, you know, if you have a disability, mental health is a part of that package. You're just getting it. Um, right. And so, how how did you how have you been able to navigate your mental health, just being a, a woman and just being you know a person, just being with a disability, like you know life. There's a lot of things get thrown at you all at once. Um, right. Yeah. How have you been so, able to combat it? Yeah. So, like, whenever I first lost my vision, of course, you know, going through depression at eight years old, I didn't understand. I didn't know what depression was. I just knew like I hated who I was I hated life like it was it was really bad for me and I had someone to talk to but of course you know I'm I'm a kid I'm eight you know I didn't want to open up and just tell this person feelings that I didn't really understand so it was hard for me to express you know what I was going through how I felt um and then you know going through public school I had um a teacher to teach me how to read braille and then I had someone to teach me you know, O and M, and so those those two ladies were like the only two I personally felt like I could express, you know, what I was going through, and they would either understand and they would be able to sympathize with me. You know, talking to my family at that time, I was like, "You don't understand. You don't know what I'm going through. You're just, sure. you know, you're trying to treat me as if nothing happened, or as if you know you have to put me in a bubble." And you know, I was sheltered after I lost my vision. I wasn't allowed to do a lot of things. Um, and then when I got into high school, I just, that depression turned into anger and I hated me. I hated myself. I hated people. Um, and I was, I was just an angry person. You know, there's a lot of things I hated about myself. I was very insecure about a lot of things with myself. And then it wasn't until I got, it wasn't until I got out of high school that I told myself like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to hate myself. I don't want to be angry with everybody. I want to change who I am. So it just, I I ended up opening myself and talking to people and just expressing, you know, that's where I ended up building a relationship with my mom because, you know, even though my mom is there all day, every day, you know, growing up as a kid, like I didn't talk to my mom. She didn't know how I felt, what I was going through. I, I just kind of distanced myself from my family. You know, I, stuck to myself I would stay in my room and listen to audiobooks or just you know lay down and sleep all day and I just didn't want to talk to anybody um and so like after high school I started talking to my mom more and I started telling her you know hey like, this is how I've been feeling this is how I feel now and I don't want to be like this anymore and and just having that person to open up and talk to and just you know I know in a way it's kind of selfish but like dumping your emotions on somebody else so you can feel you know, less weight on your shoulders. Like it was a good release for me. And my mom being a mom, she didn't know what I was going through. So having, you know, being able to tell her that and letting her understand, you know, how I felt, what I was feeling, it not only helped me become not so angry and, you know, accepting of my life and that I still can move forward and be successful as a blind person, but also building that connection and relationship with my mom. Like that was something that helped me out significantly because, you know, it went from us not talking at all to us talking, you know, every couple of days or every week. And like now me and my mom talk every day for hours. 
So, like, for me, that was just the best outlet. Yeah, and you talk about, like, dumping all your emotions and feelings on, but, like, I'm sure that was so, like, it's such a reprieval for her because all this time had gone by and, you know, she knew maybe in vain, like, a little bit of what you were going through, but not entirely because right she i mean she may be your mother she may be the closest thing to knowing what you're going through but she doesn't really know because she doesn't have your issue so um, and that's why it was key to find those people along the way who were training you and teaching you different uh techniques to how to deal with your blindness but you know it's always key to have someone who knows you entirely because um you know again that's one of the big things that i try to focus on is trying to make sure to find that person out there who feels alone and try and hopefully mm-hmm. find someone, if it's not me, try to find someone to have on the show that will, you know, open up their eyes to what's possible and, and what isn't possible. And, and, and just, you know, again, being alone in that kind of, because yeah. it, it is easily, as a, having a disability, even though blindness is so, it, it, it's not uncommon. I mean, it's, it's right. you know, it's, it's, it's more rare than just, you know, your average person probably isn't going to become blind, but of the disability, mm-hmm. blindness is, you know, pretty, it's easy to find someone with some sort of visual impairment that you can talk to. Um, right. And so, yeah, it's just key to, to constantly try to communicate and find those people. But yeah, when you're kind of, actually as a teenager, you're growing up and you're trying to find yourself and, you know, you're trying to figure out if you're even attractive and if there's anything about you that's even redeeming and, you know, and then yeah. you always end up coming back to your broken eyes. Like, oh, well, of course I'm ugly because of this. And, and it's like, exactly, it doesn't mean that, but it, it it's hard to shake that because it's, it's constantly right. in the back of your mind. And I'm sure even just being as a woman, just because looks matter more to you than, than typical guy where like you're, exactly. and like your beauty is almost like defined by your vision, which is silly, but it's, we've all been there. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, you know, that's where it's kind of funny because it's, you know, pun intended is where like your mindset technically just becomes blind because you can't see the most basic things until you kind of, some people say, like tap into your superpower and realize like the visual part of it, there there is something to us that is amazing. It's just because we can see a lot of things that most people can't see because people are so biased on in life and, you know, Mm -hmm. and and we have empathy and there's a lot of things that we, we have that we don't even understand it until one day it just pops up and it arises and you're like, Oh, okay. Right. This, this is something, this is, I didn't realize this is, there was something special to this vision thing. Cause all I've said my whole life is this sucks. And right. you know, it, it's not great, but it, you know, the fact that you, we can take something that we perceive to be so ugly and then actually turn it into something beautiful after a while. It's, it's always one of the, my favorite parts of discussing about having a disability. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. Um, and you said you've done a lot, like, talking to people. Like, have you done any kind of advocacy or anything with, with visual impairment or, or disabilities? Um, I haven't done any, like, actual advocacy that I can just, you know, throw out there. But I do, um, like, I do know a lot of people within the blind community. And I'm always trying to help, you know. I always tell people, like, if you need help doing this or that, like, let me know. Um Sometimes, like, when I, so actually, my job, my uh, boss, he got me connected with this lady in Louisiana who recently lost her vision. He was just like, she just needs somebody to talk to. You. So, it's like, even though I don't necessarily say, like, oh, yes, I'm an advocate for blind people, 
I always just let people know, like, I'm here for you no matter what, because if anybody knows what you're going through, it's someone who literally has walked every day in your shoes. So. Yeah, no, that's so key for especially someone who's a newcomer to it, because that's that's when it's the most scariest. And um, it, it's so that's, that's when the loneliness kicks in and you're just sitting yeah. there and you're just you just want someone to understand. And everyone around you is telling you that they understand and that it's going to be OK. But and, they don't. But they don't. And you don't feel like it's going to be OK. You feel like your world's right. on fire and there's no going back. and though everything's different like different is just terrible and and it's scary there's there's no there's no way to like shake it and just immediately ignore it and say that it's not scary it is it's scary to know that your your whole life is different and everything you have to adjust and figure out ways to make your life acclimated to your situation it's it can be very Mm -hmm. very difficult but there again the more and more we go into this techno technological world that we're in is becoming less and less excuses for us to survive. I mean, there's many reasons to get in the way, you know, how hard it is to find a job and things like that. But just as far as just your daily life, there's so much there uh, that can actually, the people that can, and there's so many services now that are provided that um, can definitely help you um, just navigate life much easier than it would be many, many, you know, 30, 40 years ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, so what, do you have any kind of, like, what, what is your, your goal for just like further down the road in life? Are you, are you going to do anything with any kind of advocacy or are you, are you just looking to, I don't know, is there something you want to do just revolving around your disability to give back? Um, there's actually so much that I want to do, like within the blindness community. Um, I definitely want to do advocacy. Um, I, and Right now, I'm a massage therapist, and, you know, I don't know if you're aware, but um, within pregnancy and blind families or blind parents, um, you're, when you go to the hospital to, you know, have your child, and it's a blind mom and a blind dad, and you're alone, and you're there by yourself, nine times out of ten, the hospital is going to send a social worker in your room and they're going to attempt to take your baby from you because they believe that blind people cannot successfully raise a child. Yeah. And so as a massage therapist, um, my focus is pre and postnatal um, infant massage. And I'm, I'm in the process right now of becoming a doula specifically for blind and visually impaired moms. So not only can I be there for their birth, but also be there for, as an advocate, you know, to make sure that their children don't get taken throughout this process. Because, you know, anybody can be a parent, you know, over time, people lose their vision due to things like diabetes. You know, you can be in a car accident and lose your vision. Anything can happen and you can lose your vision or, you know, you can lose your hearing. It's like, why is it okay for people who are on drugs to keep their kids but you lose something like your vision and you're no longer fit to be a parent you know so that's kind of my goal is to um advocate for blind parents and then also with my massage career I want to open my own like parenting facility to offer you know um accessible parenting classes and 
you know, just different ways of how to tell, you know, if your kid is choking as a blind parent, you know, how to tell if you go to a public place like a park, how to keep track of your kid without having to stand up every 10 seconds and yell your kid's name across the park and hope that they answer. Um, I want to offer programs like that so that way blind parents, especially if they're new blind parents, can be more confident going into this and not have the fear of social services coming and taking their kids because, you know, they did, they feel like they did something wrong or they were made to think that they did something wrong. So. Did you have kids yourself? I actually don't have kids. So, um, I'm kind of, it's kind of up in the air for me. Um, I have something called PCOS due to my brain tumor. Mm -hmm. So, there's no guarantees that I will actually be able to have kids myself. So because of that, that's like, so, um, I don't know, I guess that's why it takes a bigger part in my life to advocate for people who can have kids. Yeah, for sure it does. Cause I mean, you could make the argument that why should you care? Because it's like, exactly. it's not something you, it's not going to impact you at all. It's not going to affect you at all. And that's why, again, that's why I love, I mean, I interview people more than just disabilities, but why disability is so important to me because it's like again i say this at nauseam but we're we're perceived to be these broken people that but for some reason we're mm -hmm. always the one that are trying to fix and trying to help and even in exactly. even in areas that we don't even quite understand uh, or, right. or we can't even experience and that's kind of the, the beautiful part that comes from it all right um but no that that sounds pretty cool um the, so when when you it may sound like a stupid question, but when you get clients and you're you're doing the whole massage therapy, like do you ever like you know broadcast that you're visually impaired? Um, so I don't openly just say, "Hey, I'm visually impaired," but <laughs> in my job, like whenever I work in a public place, um, I always use my cane. Um, if it's like a a setting I use my cane um, one of my jobs I used to work at the airport here in Austin um, that's where I'm at uh, I used to work in the airport and you know to get to my job I would use my cane so pretty much all the employees in the airport if they knew me they knew I was visually impaired or blind um, but whenever I got to my job I wouldn't use my cane so customers would come up and you know they would say off the wall things like who are you talking to I'm right here and you're looking over there because my eyes don't focus um, and I would have to explain to them like, Hey, I'm legally blind, but I, I'm trying to help you. So I'm um, the attitude down. So like that was the only time I guess I wouldn't just broadcast or use my cane. But, um, now I've kind of gotten the habit of just having my cane with me, even if I know the area, because, you know, people are just ignorant in their own way and they don't, they're not open to the thought of, you know, hey, I'm not going to comment on this because I don't know what's going on with this person or, you know, what they have, you know, whether it's a disability or maybe their eyes just don't focus, you know, anything. But people just openly make comments like that and they don't understand, like, it can be hurtful or just rude in general, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, when people try to predict, like, how, because when they look at, you know, when they think vision problem, you know, again, you either look blind or you don't look blind to somebody. You're either, you know, like you get perceived to be as dumb or, you know, yeah, like if you're looking in the wrong direction, now you're the rude one. And there's so many things that go into it. It's like just try to understand a little bit. I understand you can't fully comprehend, but it's, just, it's not that hard if you just listen. Um, 
but exactly. Yeah, but I could imagine, like, you know, because all our senses are really stronger, I can imagine being good at that job because we tend to be good with our hands. And because we, right. we know sense of touch, it's, it's so much more sensitive to us. Um, right. I was talking to my friend, and he's always, I don't drink, but he's always trying to get me to drink things. And I hate the taste of alcohol, just the, the actual just yeah. alcohol. And he'll give me things. And he was talking to his girlfriend because she was like, well, let's take him out. Well, we, we, I want him to try a white Russian. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, I mean, I'm like, I'll try anything, but I'm not, I'm not going to like it. And he was like, sweetie, I think the reason why he doesn't like it is because he just has that like super sense of taste that like he automatically can just pick up alcohol because it's just his taste is so much more sensitive than ours. So whereas the mm-hmm. average person probably can just drink a crap load of that and never taste it until either the end or never taste it. Where in my case, like I taste it right away. Um, right. Like I said, our senses are so much stronger. My hearing, like when I, I can't, exactly. I can't really go to concerts and things because my hearing is so strong that like, it's just the sound is too much for me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like a lot of loud noises and, but like, yeah, even my sense of touch, like, you know, I can be, I could, probably imagine you being really good at that because of you know it's it's you're using your other senses to to help your life out right um but no that's cool at least you have some real set goals and like i mean you told me this off air but like you said you're like introverted does that like does that like affect what you do for a job because you you like to kind of be to yourself but you kind of in order to make money you have to deal with people right um no, I I feel like it doesn't really affect my career. And, you know, that's the one thing people will say, well, how do you manage as an introvert in massage therapy? You have to be a people person. Well, I mean, if you're a client and you're coming in for a service, you know, or whatever I'm offering, I can, I have great customer service skills. And it's not that. It's just, I am not the type of person I don't like to go out to parties and mingle with people and things like that. Like I like to say to myself, but massages to me, it's a passion. So, you know, talking to someone, hearing what their problems are and trying to help them. That's, I feel like what my calling is, is to help people, whether it be a massage or in another way. So I'm open to talking to my clients. And then also when they get on the table, nine times out of 10, they want to relax. They don't want to talk. So you ask them a couple of times, like, hey, how's the pressure? You doing okay? Yes. And then after that, you know, you're just quiet throughout the whole session. You leave them alone, they leave you alone, and that's it. So there's not really a lot of communication that happens when it comes to massage therapy. Not only at the beginning, you have, you know, your, your intro session of talking and, you know, seeing what the client needs. And then at the end, which is really just kind of feedback for your, client telling them like hey this is what I noticed this is some stretches or exercises I think you should do to kind of help you know whatever you have going on or for me if it's a prenatal client and they're telling me like oh you know I'm having this and that problem I'll suggest things for them to do or you know whatever the case may be but other than that there's not a whole lot of just communicating and engaging and then also it's a one-on-one setting I don't feel overwhelmed with having to meet 50 different people at one time it's just one person at a time for a set amount of time. Yeah. Well, it's, I guess it's kind of like you being at home. Like, it's your safe and happy space. So even though you're interacting exactly. with people, it's it's what you love and <clears throat> it's what you went to school for. It's, you know, why you got trained for right. it. And it's, it's something that makes you happy because it's, it's your 
way of impacting your community and helping. Right. So that's good. Yeah. That makes, that makes a lot of sense because, you know, it, it may not to some because it's like, well, you're still dealing with people, but no, it, it, you're, right. you're dealing people with in a vulnerable space and yeah, they're less likely to communicate and they just kind of want what they came for their service and they just want to be taken care of. You're helping them out. And, you know, in the end they're helping you out by just being there and, and, and then also giving you money, but also just being there and listening and talking and, um, just, just, you know, accepting you and trusting you to, to work on them. So there's, there's a lot of things that go into it that actually would, I could see how it can give you great feedback and make you feel good about yourself. Right. Um, we can kind of wrap up here, but is, is there any, um, do you have, I mean, I always like the, the, the guests and I always just like freestyle the whole thing, but do, do you ever, do you have any advice for someone who's like coming up, you know, a younger version of you just, uh, you know, struggling with their disability. And if you want to make it basically about visual impairment, that's fine. Um, well, I mean, just not even visually impaired because, you know, I grew up as a poor kid in the country. So, sure. you know, um, just whether it's visual impairment or just coming up from your situation, I always just say, you know, you take it one day at a time and, set small goals for yourself and try to achieve one small goal at a time. Because if you put too much on your plate, you'll never finish it. And you just got to look at things in smaller portions instead of one whole goal, because then you're going to get stressed and overwhelmed. And, you know, you'll feel like I can never, I can never finish what it is that I'm trying to do, or I can never accomplish what my goals are. You know, if you take it one thing at a time, you'll be more successful, whether it's being, visually impaired and trying to be successful or whether it's coming up from nothing to something or less than what you have to being more than that, just one day at a time, one small piece at a time. So. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always key to hear people's opinions on, you know, how they deal with their struggles and, and, you know, advice they can give to someone because there's a lot of people that are struggling in many different ways. It doesn't have to be a disability or poverty can be many exactly. can be many things and it's just always good to know there's someone out there that made it uh right beyond their struggles and their demons and and so on um but yeah i, I appreciate you for coming on you're a very sweet girl and um if you ever you know I, I always sell this to the guests but if you ever need a friend or ever need someone to talk to i'm always around um i hope we can keep in touch um uh, if you ever yeah for sure you ever need anyone to support you or anything you're doing, just please reach out. Um, you know. But yeah, thank you again. Yeah, I really appreciate it. Yeah, your thank time. you for having me. Of course, anytime. And I'll uh, I'll text you soon and we'll keep in touch. All right. All right, thank you. Mm-hmm. Bye. All right, guys. I'm sorry. I'm a little sleepy today and I'm, I don't even know how this is going to sound because I got this new mic and uh, yeah. I'm just trying to figure it all out, but I'm I'm really sleepy. I need a nap. As I'm jealous as the this little furry demon next to me is napping. He's passed out. So no purring for him. So I apologize for that. But uh yeah, I'm thinking I'm just gonna take a little little nappies. My eyes are really sensitive and sore right now because of um I got some lashes pulled and the lashes were bugging me for some days and they did a little scratching. No scratches, but they did some scratching. Okay. Why well, did a southern accent? I don't know. Maybe because she's from Texas and just it's contagious. I don't know. 
Um, but uh, I'm gonna get out of here. I apologize. I'm, I'm not depressed or anything. I'm just kind of ran down a little tired. So forgive me. I hope you can uh, understand and feel my pain. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys are doing well out there. And uh, I will see you on the next show. Bye, guys. Thank you.